Welcome to the first post-2020 election Deadhead Cannabis Show. It's been quite a week, certainly a lot to talk about. Larry? Jim, how you doing? It's always a pleasure to have a chance to talk to you. We've got some uh, beautiful weather here in Illinois in the 70s. It's just really uh, uh, beautiful. Uh, I'm very upset because I'm sitting inside looking outside uh, at this lovely day and haven't had a chance to get out and really be part of it yet. But otherwise, all is well here. Uh, you're right. This is our first post-election show. And I can tell you that it's nice to get a little bit of the stress out of the air. You know, everybody's gone to the polls. They've done their thing. Now we can all move forward. And I don't know if you find this interesting or not, Jim, but here's my thought. As as you and I sit here right now and, and uh for the folks that are going to be listening to this when the show airs, uh, we can say that at this moment, we still do not know who the next president of the United States is going to be two days after the election. We don't necessarily know the final tallies on all of the senatorial votes and everything that was going on. Can the Democrats take control of the Senate? Are they going to lose control of the House? There's counting going on everywhere. You know where there's no counting going on, Jim? On the marijuana initiatives. They passed, and they passed by a lot. Yes. Well, to follow up on what you're saying, it's amazing that Dancing with the Stars can tally 130 million votes in seconds, while these right. states can't right. count a couple of million ballots in days. Right. Well, right. I agree. In today's modern technology, to not to be able to get a, a clear answer almost right away is crazy. But to me, that just demonstrates that no matter what the pollsters want to tell us, this country is about almost as evenly divided as you can possibly be, you know, with just a really small little bump going one way or the other way every four years. It, it, you know, better or for worse, we're as divided as we can be as a country right now on almost every issue that matters except marijuana. <laughs> and on marijuana, look, look at these states. Arizona, we don't know who won the president there, but we know that marijuana passed 60 to 40. Mississippi, mar medical marijuana passed there. Think about that. A state like Mississippi, which is such a conservative state, and yet it had no problem going ahead and passing it. And not only that, they had two different types of uh, plans down in Mississippi for medical marijuana. One of them uh, was just what you and I would think of as a, as a standard uh, medical marijuana program where patients have to apply and, and be certified in. But the alternative that they were running against was one where you could only get it from a qualified person and you had to have what they called debilitating medical conditions. So in other words, they wanted to only have it for people who really had were in the hospital dying of cancer or things like that. And the state voted for the more liberal, the more expansive program. Montana overwhelmingly supported uh, uh, recreational 57 to 43%. New Jersey, after at least one or two tries, Past recreational, 67% in favor. And South Dakota, which, you know, has has been as conservative as can be on just about every issue that's been out there these days, they passed uh, a medical program and recreational. They passed both on the same election. 
Right. That was historic in that that was the first time medical and adult use passed at the uh, same time. Yes, that's absolutely correct. But look at this. Where Where is all the, oh, we won't know until midnight. We won't know until the votes from the rural counties come in. We know this. this these issues were not that close. They were de- decided by a very comfortable margin. And once again, anybody who is part of the legal cannabis industry, and I suppose even those folks who aren't part of the legal cannabis industry, uh, you know, this has to be, uh, you, you have to walk away from this election, you know, walking on air. You know, you're, you're in an industry now that we're just a heartbeat away from the entire country saying, yes, we're in, let's just make this nationwide. I think it's a great thing. Well, as I was saying on this show throughout the fall, marijuana was not even an issue. You know, these five, six ballot initiatives, nobody even talked about them. Certainly none of the presidential candidates or vice presidential candidates talked about marijuana. So it's a non-issue and that's the way we like it. Uh, just like if people were not talking about wine, uh, you know, that's fine with everyone. In fact, you know, my opinion is that cannabis tracks closer to the uh, wine industry than, than almost any other. And that's the direction I think we'll head in. It's a intoxicating product that comes out of the ground. You have your different strains, just like you have your different Cabernets. And well, and you can, there's going to be an expensive market and a uh, more consumer friendly market too. It's just like, yeah. you know, you want to go buy an expensive bottle of wine, it's there for you, but you yeah. can also go buy two buck Chuck and, you know, get a nice buzz that way too. Yes. And a big lesson for the cannabis industry is you look at a bottle of wine and the wine inside the bottle literally costs pennies while the bottle and label costs, you know, three, four dollars. Right. So uh, you have a situation, just like a can of Coca-Cola, same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The can and the marketing costs more than the product itself. So um, as we do roll this out nationally, I think that's something the industry really needs to be aware of. Uh, But yes, we're very happy. A complete sweep of cannabis Uh, looks very good. We were discussing it over dinner last night in Denver. Larry, I'm sure that you could... um, tell just amazing stories that would make your hair stand on end of what some of our clients have had to go through the last 10 years. <laughs> fights with partners, fights with landlords. Sure. To stay alive and stay in business. Yep. But throughout it all, and I'm talking now specifically about Colorado, you know, we built a $2.2 billion industry out of nothing over the last 10 years. And it's here to stay. It's a product people love. People always talk to me about the illicit market. And I say there really is no illicit market in Colorado if you're talking about, you know, your your corner marijuana dealer. People do still grow at home, but they tend to just give it, you know, back and forth to their friends to try, just like if they made homemade wine or beer. Yep. The illicit market we do have in Colorado is going to disappear quickly because of what did happen yep. on Tuesday night. Because there was an illicit market in Colorado, there is, for shipping the product out of state. Same in California, shipping that product to states that don't have adult use market or even a medical market. And now that's all going to disappear as well. Correct. Somebody pushed back on me and said, well, it's really not as um, comparable to the alcohol industry as it is the cigarette industry where... Marlboro cigarettes are one of the most smuggled black market product in the world. Mm-hmm. That's probably true because if a pack of Marlboros costs $15 in New York and it costs $6 in Colorado, then you're going to smuggle. More a situation of taxes than anything else, which 
again, comes back around to cannabis. You know, the states that want to tax and tax and tax at 20, 30 percent, like California is a good example of that. Yes. California still has a thriving illicit market because their cash register taxes are so high for the cannabis consumer. It's true. It's very true. We're moving forward nicely on cannabis. Looks like it's going to be a good business for us to be in for many years to come. And as I've said on this show many times, I think when Congress is seated in January, we're going to see some bills start to percolate through the House and Senate. Yeah, I think that that's right. And I think it would be nice and, you know, and that it's certainly about time. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, very happy for that. And it's, it's nice to see that as a society, um, you know, we're, we're able to start moving beyond uh, some of our prejudices and preconceived notions uh, about what we're really dealing with here and uh, and really let this happen. And uh, it, it just makes me very happy to know that, uh, you know, go figure, right, of the one area where we have uh, wonderful common ground is on this wonderful topic. And, you know, that they, it, it, it's as if uh, somebody's telling us this is the right way to go with this stuff, folks. Everybody else, you know, is killing each other. But on this, we're all buddies. And, you know, I, I say yeah. it before and I'll say it again. When you sit down at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, with your cousin and they start going at you, whichever side of the debate you're on and it gets ugly, just pull out that joint and you will see <laughs> where is it from, man? What strain is it? Oh, I tried this stuff over here. What were we talking about? I don't know. Let's just keep smoking. And it's it's a great way to go. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, people see the positive sides of that and uh, and keep going in that direction with it, because it's uh, you know, it, it just really, I think, makes a big, big difference overall. Another prediction here that'll play out in the next few weeks. I really think the presidential election is going to go to the Supreme Court. I, I, I think that it probably will, because once one side brings the courts into it, look, it's, it's, this, is, this is the way the court system is set up. You don't like your first decision, you go to the Court of Appeals. You don't like that decision, you go to the Supreme Court. And when you're dealing with an election, the stakes are so great, whether you're the party that brings it to court or you're the party that's responding, it's not the type of thing you can just kind of walk away from or say, well, we'll settle it outside of court. There's no settling. It has to be resolved. And on the one hand, it's unfortunate. On the other hand, you know, I suppose if you really want to look at it, uh, you know, thank goodness we've got a system in place. So everybody doesn't just go and run and get their guns and start shooting each other. Well, you know, historically, I believe um, there's been contested president elections at least six times in our history. So this is not anything new or totally out of the ordinary. And I have to give uh, hats off to uh, my friends and associates who were saying for the last few months that it would not be decided on election night. I thought they were wrong. Yeah. It turned out I was wrong. Yeah, you know, that that's very interesting to hear. And, and it's, it's just fascinating to me, again, and I, I think this becomes so relevant in terms of what we're otherwise talking about here, right? But you have so many people out there, my friends who are on the right-hand side, were convinced that, that Trump was going was gonna to win big and that the country was going to completely ratify everything he's done by giving him a big victory. My friends on the left were convinced that Biden was going to win huge and that it was going to be a complete repudiation of Trump. And guess what? At the end of the day, and, and 
I'll reluctantly throw some credit out on this one, even though uh, I mean it all in good spirits. And that's with uh, Bob Hoban about uh, a year ago or so, maybe maybe longer than that, because it was when I was the last time I was in Colorado to see Dead and Company at Folsom Field. So it couldn't have been this year. And, and we sat around and we were talking about the politics. And what I like about Bob is if he feels you're going one way in the argument, he'll take the other side just to kind of keep things honest and see where you can go with it. And his point was, we're a 50-50 nation now. A lot of these major issues are decided by the slimmest and slimmest of margins. And there is no one side that is so much in the majority that it can say that this is the way things should be. And I think that that's our new reality. Um, I'd like to hope that we'd get to a point in time again, in, you know, in our lifetime, certainly, where you know things don't have to be so black and white. Uh, and again, that's why I'm encouraged about marijuana, because here we are once again, and boom, there is, uh, you know, th- there is no issue with this. People know what they like, and they know what they want, and they're coming forward and they're stating it, and you know, it allows us to move forward. And if we can use that as an example or anything to help kind of bootstrap our way back to civility on a number of other issues, uh, you know, we'd all be better off for it, right? I mean, the, nothing has changed in the last 50 years. If you went back in time 50 years ago, if you were a Democrat and the Republican won, you knew that the the policies that were going to come in over the next four years were probably not going to be to your liking. But you said, fine. But now we've gotten to a point where the political climate is so tense that it becomes almost a personal thing. You know, if, you're, if your party's not in power and, and people really it's kind of scary to me to the levels where it gets taken. You know, again, on both sides, we see displays of it. And, you know, boy, maybe the government ought to just sponsor, you know, they, they, they closed down schools and they used to close down bars here in Chicago on election day. So people wouldn't just go and get drunk all day and vote. I'm thinking maybe that will let the dispensaries have free giveaways on election day and everybody can calm down a little bit. Well, we shall see, you know, one of the more controversial issues that's too close to call here two days after the election is that, reintroducing of the gray wolves to the Colorado wilderness. Yeah. What's going on with that? You know, I I supported that. And then after I talked to some of my uh, cowboy and rancher clients, uh, I said, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't have supported that. Very, very close vote. But I've learned a little more about it. Well, the ranchers say this is not the original gray wolf of Colorado. This is a a Siberian super wolf that – you know, we'll, we'll, you know, take down our, our cows and our cattle. And you look at the experience they've had with the same program up in Wyoming, just to our north of Colorado. Um, it has significantly reduced the elk and deer population in Wyoming. So these, these are predator wolves and they take down the, the young and the females, uh, thus sharply over time, reducing the deer and elk population. Mm-hmm. But one unexpected event that's happened in, in Wyoming in the Yellowstone River that goes through Yellowstone National Park is the Yellowstone River's gotten a lot cleaner because there's a lot less deer and elk peeing and pooping in the Yellowstone River. Oh, my. Okay, so, you know, look, if they help balance, you know, when it gets to these types of issues, I just like going outside and looking at stuff. So I'll leave the uh, I'll leave the policies to the to the smart people on that. But I think it just goes to show it doesn't matter where you're located. Right. Every community has its own uh, hot button issues of the day. And, you know, if we can go and settle it at the polls, you know, responsibly and respectably. Hopefully we go a long way with that, so we'll see. But that's where we stand on things. The, the, the overall good take on this is if you're a marijuana fan, uh, you can put aside all the other issues for a moment and just feel good about the fact that as a country, it seems like we're becoming very, very unified and very much behind 
the idea of legal cannabis. Speaking of which, with our five or is it six new state programs that passed the other night, is you may want to, if you're interested in applying for any of these new licenses, uh, that's something Larry and I have a lot of expertise in, and you can't start soon enough. So if you are interested in applying in any of these states that have passed these programs, number one, really study your state's proposed, because they're probably proposed at this point, programs and regulations. Don't leave it up to good lawyers like Larry. They're very knowledgeable, but if you're applying for a license, a medical marijuana license in Mississippi, number one, learn everything you possibly can about what the state is expecting and what the expectations are of your company if you're going to apply for one of these licenses. I echo that, Jim, um, uh, on, on both points. Uh, and I did some presentations on this for a while, uh, extolling the, the, the importance of making sure that right from the very beginning, uh, you're staffed by, by, by a really strong team. And I know you'll like this, Jim, because I always get up there in front of a room full of lawyers and I say to them, I'm, I'm okay, who can raise their hand and tell me, you know, when you're, when you're working with a marijuana client, what is the most important person you set that client up with? Oh, lawyer. No, 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 no. If they don't have a good accountant from day one, they're not going anywhere, right? Uh, if you're going to be if you're going to be a, a dispensary and you have to deal with 280E, if you don't have that in your original business structure, you're coming up with numbers that your investors can't reasonably rely upon. And you know you need the people who understand the way the finances work to make sure that when you come into this new industry, it's not business as usual because it's not business as usual. Very good. Um, yes, we're very uh, involved in license applications on the financial side, preparing forecasts, uh, profit margins, expenses, uh, what's your, what are you going to pay your head cultivator and your bud tenders. But I would say, in addition to getting to know your regulations and starting to put your team together of a lawyer, an accountant, and your CEO, focus in on your real estate. You know, that, that's got to be in the top three because... You know, even in Colorado, where we have basically unlimited licenses, we have over 1,200 active licenses in Colorado, you can still go to our marijuana enforcement division with a clean record and a check and walk out a few weeks later with a marijuana license. The issue you have in Colorado is there's very few places left in the state that are properly zoned. So it's your local zoning that limits licenses, even in a Colorado unlimited license situation. So, you know, if you are in Mississippi or Montana or South Dakota, um, start to look at your zoning regulations. Start to see where you can have a retail location that's not close to a school or a daycare center or a drug rehab place. Again, that's where your regulations come in. Be, be proactive and line up your real estate and lock it down with a lease and an option to buy that real estate if you were lucky enough to get a license. So lots of opportunities after Tuesday's election and uh, not to blow our, horns our own horns too much, but yes, Larry and Hoban Law and myself, Jim Marty and Bridge West can supply a lot of very unique knowledge that we have having been in this industry going on 11, 12 years now. 
nicely said, Jim, and I, I, I agree. I tell everyone it's, it's, it's not an industry where you can play fast and loose. You need to know the law. You need to know the finances. You need to have a good team of professionals. And quite frankly, if you're going to be going out looking for investors, they're going to want to know who's on your team and who's helping you. Uh, but it never is too early. There's a ton of work to do. People start earlier and earlier, and they're still finishing up right down to the wire in the last minute. So, yep, that's a great point. We're always here, and we're always happy to talk to you, anyone who has questions. So, not much to talk about musically. Well, I'm going to tell you this, Jim, musically, because I was really thinking, you know, after we talked last week and, you know, what's really going on out there and what can we do? And, you know, we, we have Fish's uh, Tuesday night dinner in a movie, and, and that's nice and it's fun. And I, I, I watch it from time to time, not quite as religiously as I was at the beginning of the pandemic. However, they pulled out all the stops this year for Halloween. And on Saturday night, they had a triple header where they showed the set they did a couple of years ago. The Halloween set was like spooky ghost music. Then, to my wonderful surprise and delight, they showed the uh, video and they had the audio from 96 in Atlanta when they uh, covered Remain in Light. And then they uh, closed it out with the one from last year or the year before when they were the Scandinavian rock band. Hmm. And so you got to see all three of them, but the very beginning of the show was hysterical because it opened, if you know, for those of us who remember talking about it this past year on New Year's Eve in Madison Square Garden, when they came out at New Year's, they were all on these different platforms that were raised up in the air and the one that Trey's was on broke and they had trouble getting him down and it took a little while. So when all of this started on Saturday night, it starts with a video and the video is still Trey stuck on top of the platform in Madison Square Garden. All the lights are out. And he's like, hello, hello, somebody help get me out of here. But then, you know, they transfer him over and they, and they dive into it. And um, the spooky ghost music is OK. The the, uh, the Scandinavian rock band gets, you know, high marks for creativity. and The fact they sat down and wrote an entire album of strange music just for Halloween. But by God. Stop making sense. Uh, remain in light. I mean, not only is it one of the greatest albums of all time, but they nailed it. They just played it so well. It was it was really a treat to see. They always do. Hopefully, we'll have uh, fish concerts in Colorado in 2021. Hopefully, that vaccine will get out there and we can get back to normal life. But um, we also downloaded uh, Dead and Company mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, Halloween of 2019. Oh, nice. And that's a very, very good show. Sure. Uh, the band is really on. Uh, John Mayer's on fire. Uh, wonderful Eyes of the World. Great, a great song list. Uh, got a Sugar Magnolia in there towards the end of set two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they opened the set. Yeah, they opened the second set with Terrapin. Okay. So uh, highly recommend Halloween of 2019 with Dead and Company. Absolutely. I think that that's. Uh, uh, that's, that's, well, you know, look, we're, we're, we're any one of us, we're just a click away, right, from being able to go back and see pretty much uh, just about any show that, that's ever been there. That's really great, too. Now, I don't know, Jim, if you uh, if you had ordered or if you've received yet the uh, 50th anniversary uh, edition of American Beauty that they just put out. I have not gotten that. I just got my uh, Dave's Picks 36 or something like that from 87. Yep, from Hartford. But uh, Yeah, but- haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Oh, it's great. You'll love it. Mm-hmm. But but this this 50th anniversary is great. First of all, American Beauty is such a wonderful album and it's it's remastered and re whatever and it's it just sounds as good as you ever remembered it. You can, you know, put it on, smoke a joint and you're just it's wonderful. But 
as they've been doing with a lot of these 50th anniversary re-releases, is they also threw in two extra discs that have a complete show from February 18th, 1971 hmm. at the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's interesting because it was a night that the dead broke out for the first time. Five different tunes, Warfrat, Playing in the Band, Bertha, Greatest Story Ever Told, and Loser, all were broken out that night for the first time. Hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I've been, I, you know, I just got it the other day and I haven't stopped listening to it. It's, it's just wonderful. Um, and what's really nice about it is it captures that moment in time when they really were transitioning out of the psychedelic sound and into this new sound. And they still kind of had their feet in both circles a little bit. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're getting these, you know, four and a half hour concerts or whatever it is, because if you're not playing a 25 minute dark star, you can throw in five or six other songs. Um, you know, and it, it's just, uh, for anybody who, you know, really values, uh, you know, pig pen at his finest and, uh, uh, just some great music, even if you have American beauty, and even if you have it in six different formats, this 50th anniversary is worth it just to get this uh, Port Chester concert. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, back to uh, October Halloween of 2019. Mm-hmm. It was right around the time Robert Hunter died. So they opened, they opened with Ripple and with a big picture of Robert Hunter in the, above the screen. Well, can't do much better than that. That's great. Yeah, it's a great show. I really enjoyed it. Sat there for three hours on my couch and enjoyed it with a glass of wine. Right. Isn't that nice? We can, we can just do that now. And, and yes, I miss the energy and the raw excitement of being there live. But on the other hand, if I have to get up and go to the bathroom, it's nice to, you know, have a nice clean bathroom to go into without a, without a 25 minute wait. Yep. Let's hope that uh, we have some shows for 20, in 2021 so that we'll have more things to talk about. Yeah, um, we really need that. Uh, you know, like I say, you know, for guys like you and I, you know, we can go back and we can pull out an album and pull one song off the album and spend two hours talking about, uh, you know, why they're playing it that way on that occasion and how it fits into the overall schematic of what they're doing. And that's okay, you know, if, but you can't do deep dives all the time. There has to be enough new material coming out and enough new information, um, you know, that it's all exciting to be talking about. And, um, We'll get there. It's just a matter of time, but you know, all things pass. We'll get there. Yep. Well, I think that's about all I have for today, Larry. Yeah. You know, we've, uh, we've certainly covered a lot here, Jim, as always, um, you know, for the first time in a long time, uh, we didn't give a full Illinois report. So on the way out the door, I'll just say that, uh, uh very interestingly late last week, a downstate, uh, state court judge, uh, entered an injunction prohibiting, the state from having this new second chance with the dispensary applications for everybody to go out and get to have another try to get a perfect score to increase the number of people in the, uh, in the drawing for the tiebreaker. So uh, we, we still have to get past 30 days and find out whether anybody's going to challenge that. Uh, but it looks like we may actually be able to go forward sooner than later with the tiebreaker for the dispensary applicants. And that would just be wonderful to get that process moving. We really need it here. Yes, and actually, I'd like to give a plug to our upcoming educational webinar for the TREP school. Yes. And um, if I have my numbers right, and uh, a shout out to uh, Trisha Teague, who is uh, executive director. Uh, she has a contract with the state of Illinois, and she is promoting um, 
social equity applicants for craft licenses in Illinois. And Larry and I are going to do uh, how to start a cannabis business for the TREP school on November 19th. Correct. Absolutely. And um, uh, maybe we can even get uh, information for people who want to watch us and get it posted on the uh, webpage. Yes, it'll definitely be on the Bridge West webpage, and I'm sure it'll be on the Hoban Law webpage. So if you're interested in learning more about uh, social equity programs and the craft licenses in Illinois, I um, strongly invite you to our upcoming webinar, the 19th of November. Absolutely. I will look forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, that's it for today. Well, thank you all, Jim. A pleasure as always uh, to all of our listeners out there. Uh, once again, hope you're all doing well and staying healthy. Uh, hope you can all relax after the election. Uh, and of course, you know what we'll recommend uh, to help you relax. Just make sure you enjoy it responsibly. Uh, and with some good Grateful Dead music playing in the background, and you'll have a good night. Over and out, everybody. Till next time. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.